Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top-of-mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Amy Rojic, Director of BDO Center for Corporate Governance, and I'm pleased to sit down today with my colleagues and super fabulous technology friends, Tara Pendleton and Bilal Shah to discuss how technology enablement can magnify a positive impact on audit quality execution. But before we begin, a bit about my fellow BDOers. So Tara is a BDO Advantage Assurance Partner dedicated to developing meaningful relationships with people across the country, in her community, and worldwide in order to do everything in her power to help people thrive every day. She has 19 years of public accounting experience with BDO, including client-facing service delivery, audit quality, professional practice, BDO Advantage Technology, and other leadership roles. She currently serves as the assurance partner of our suite of tools, BDO Advantage, and leads a group of user enablement specialists dedicated to upskilling our assurance practice to plan and execute technology-enabled audits. And in addition, she serves as a subject matter expert in various audit areas, including auditor reporting and data analytics. Previously, she led the firm's Critical Audit Matters implementation as an audit quality director program. Previously, she led the firm's Critical Audit Matters implementation, the audit quality director program, and served a variety of public and privately held corporate clients in various industries. She has extensive experience with the PCOB and the AICPA auditing standards. So let me turn to Bilal Shah. He is a director in the data and AI practice within BDO Digital and leads their decision intelligence group. The data and AI practice offers clients end-to-end enterprise-wide services spanning strategy, dashboarding, data architecture, design and development, data quality assessments and solutions, and AI solutions. Bilal's team of strategists, visualization experts, decision and process modelers, and data investigators not only guide clients through the data and AI journey, but is also able to pull in other parts of BDO Digital, such as our app development and customer service teams, and truly make it a one-stop shop for experience for clients. With his varied experiences in economic and financial consulting, forensic litigation consulting, and data and AI consulting, Coupled with being a chartered financial analyst, Bilal brings a data-centric approach to digital transformations with a heavy emphasis on financial processes. Ultimately, Bilal helps clients develop their AI and data strategy with a focus on three key areas, revenue growth, profit maximization, and risk mitigation. So I'm fortunate enough to consider both of these very intelligent folks my colleagues, and I welcome you both to BDO in the boardroom. All right, so I'm going to kick us off, and maybe Bilal, maybe you can share your views with us on AI risk mitigation and enablement with respect to introducing it within audit execution. I think perhaps most pressing is the importance of ensuring that users understand how AI technology actually works and why they shouldn't fear their own obsolescence. Great question, Amy, to kick us off. Um, AI risk mitigation and enablement 
is a complex topic that requires a lot of attention and care. Um, let me start by saying that AI has been around for some time. Um, and the current boom that we see with AI amongst, uh, you know, that's brought in mainstream is generative AI. Now, people, organizations uh, have been using AI in everyday uses, for example, Google Maps, right? We use, we tend to use Google Maps for everything nowadays to drive from point A to point B. And what we don't realize is that there's a lot of predictive AI models going underneath the hood there, right? From, from predicting how long it's going to take to predicting how energy efficient that drive is going to be. Now, organizations generally have been using demand forecasting models as well before the rise of generative AI, and that has included predictive AI capabilities. So this is not, using AI is not something new. However, generative AI, what it's done, has brought AI to the mainstream because of its human-like communication and ease of accessibility. So much so that now organizations, you know, in the past, AI used to be the niche of larger organizations who had tons of money to spend on R&D, and there would be subgroups that would be cordoned off from core business functions and be playing in the sandbox for the most part. Now, with generative AI pushing the boundaries of what you can do on a day-to-day, -day, um, for your day-to-day -day activities, it's pushing organizations, mid-market, small-cap, startups, large cap, whichever ones you want to talk about, it's pushing them to incorporate AI into their core business functions. And that's where the fear really is. Now, as far as it being a black box, the concern is that, oh, you know, AI has complex algorithms that we don't understand. We need AI specialists. And maybe even the AI specialists don't really know much about, you know, the algorithms they've built. Well, I'm here to tell you that there is, you know, that level of skepticism is very healthy, for sure. But that doesn't mean you can't understand the black box. It just means you need to put more effort into it. Specifically, the way to think about how, how we mitigate the risk around AI and enable its use in your organizations is to critically consider model risk management and to have a model risk governance framework around any AI implementation that you do. And to quickly tell you what typically is covered in model risk management, well, there's model governance that I talked about. There are modeling standards around the algorithms that you implement in your AI models. And there's model validation. Through, coupled with those three key points, you have to develop a strong risk culture within your organization where you have team members know that whatever's coming out of AI as an output you need to have a healthy dose of skepticism and validate those results. So it's not making humans obsolete. It's changing the roles of humans within this process. Now, it, it makes a lot of sense when you put it in that, that light. And I think that's been a very good discussion point that we've been having with boards, with audit committees, and others that are trying to understand what is AI, what does it mean to our company, and how do we mitigate all the risks that we're hearing about it? So th thank you for that introduction. I think that was very valid. Maybe we can address the concept of kind of the garbage in, garbage out with respect to underlying data sets that AI does use to create the responses to prompted queries. 
Absolutely. So one of the critical components of any AI model is data. You know, we've had data governance, um, you know, around for some time now. And, you know, I think a lot of people have talked about it and they kind of separate AI and data in that way that, oh, you should have AI governance and then you should have data, data governance. Well, the fact of the matter is they're both interlocked with each other. And garbage in, garbage out will illustrate the, the integration between both concepts, right? So garbage in, garbage out refers to the idea that the quality of the output of an AI model is only as good as the quality of the input data. So think about it this way. If the input data for that AI model is flawed or biased, then that's the data that the model is being trained on its output is going to be similarly flawed and biased. Now, this is, for example, if an AI model is trained on a data set that is not representative of the population it is intended to serve, um, then it may not perform well when, when deployed in the real world for that population. Um, if an AI model is trained on a data set that contains biased or incomplete data, then it may perpetuate those biases when making predictions. And this is a big, big factor in AI ethics, bias, right? Um, right now in the world, when you see ChatGPT and models from OpenAI being deployed on the internet, on, on the world's data, one of the key issues that organizations are trying to grapple with and, and political leaders as well is, there's a lot of bias in the world. Um, you know, different forms of bias. Uh, and that is present in a lot of the data. So if you train an AI model on all of those biases and the world data at large without without hearing or curating that data, that AI model is going to learn bias, just like a human being, right? Um, and then you should not be surprised if the results are biased as well. So. To mitigate these risks, um, it is important to ensure that the underlying data sets for AI models are of high quality and representative of the population they're intended to serve. This can be achieved by using diverse data sets that are free from bias and by ensuring that the data is properly labeled and annotated. And all of that comes in, to, in within the wider framework of data governance and AI governance. Makes sense. So let me bring Tara into the conversation here. Tara, I'd love you to share your thoughts on the recognition of the complexity and the maturity of business transactions and how that's prompting the need to both mature our audit approach and enable our employees at BDO and, and throughout the profession to leverage technology to the highest and best use. Yeah, thank you, Amy. I think about this a lot. What's, what's coming next? What's the next change? And as technology continues to evolve, and companies are continuing on their digital transformation journey, their systems and controls around those systems become increasingly complex. They have to, right? Like Bilal was talking about. And because of that, our audit approach also needs to and has continued to mature. So today, auditors are continually asked to raise the bar not only on audit quality, but also on their cognitive function. And at the same time, they're reacting to the rapidly evolving macroeconomic and regulatory environment, just like all of us. This is also true of our finance and accounting personnel across industries, regardless of what business you work in. 
you can have the best technology in the world, but if people don't know how to use it appropriately, it's not going to matter, right? So auditors and companies alike need to have a plan to ensure that our people are continuously trained and upskilled to use those technologies that are available and really take advantage of those, right? To accelerate our progress in the business world. As Bilal said, the importance of data governance and AI governance is really key. But it's not just around data and AI, it's around anything technology related, right? And helping our people, the humans, up their level of skepticism, be aware of what they expect the responses to be, make sure that the outputs are high quality outputs. Those are really the key things we're focused on from an enablement perspective right now. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. And if I think about, you know, you're sitting on an audit committee listening to this and you're, you know, trying to understand how does the auditor utilize technology? What are the skills required to do this? You know, those are the types of questions you want to be thinking of. But I would also challenge that you should be thinking of that from the management perspective as well, because all of these, whether whether we like it or not, you know, employees across all industries, all businesses are engaged in using AI and to perform some function of their business. I'd say not all, but I'd say the majority. Um, whether you have policies in place or not, you have to recognize that this is something that needs to be under, well understood and there needs to be that governance aspect of that. And you can do that. You can structure that in a safe environment. And we, we've talked about that in kind of other other programming. So I won't belabor the point here. But I, I do believe that, you know, everybody plays a role in this, whether you're on the management side of the house, the board oversight side of the house, or whether you're on the audit functioning side of the house. So let, let me let me go back to Bilal from this. So from a board's perspective, maybe you can expand on some of the thoughts I just provided and maybe talk about how the audit committee of the board works together with the audit engagement team to ensure that the planned use of AI is effective in driving a high quality audit. Yeah, you know, the, the thoughts that both of you just mentioned resonate so much with with what we're doing with our clients. Um, and and let me explain. So, you know, the the short answer is, of course, both the audit committee and the audit engagement team need to work together on that model risk management framework I talked about, right? So it's essentially understanding what are the processes of the audit engagement teams? What are their concerns? What are they looking for in terms of when they're doing this manually or in an automated way? And how are they, what's the end goal, right? And what I always advise clients is, you know, there are audit requirements, there are regulatory requirements, there are PCAOB standards. You should go beyond that. AI is so new that obviously policy and standards are going to lag. You should not wait for those standards to, to come about and then play catch up because it'll be too late at that point. So the way you work with your audit engagement team as an audit committee is to bring more to the table rather than just the bare minimum. The model risk management framework plays a key role here because when you figure out what your standardization of algorithms is gonna be, 
what your user governance is going to be, how these data sets are used, how these AI models are used. When you figure out what who the human in the loop is going to be to validate um, uh, the results, and when you figure out how to make your AI use ethical without bias, well, when you bring all of that to the table in a framework, then the audit engagement team is just going to be that much more efficient and that much more empowered to de deliver a high-quality audit. And from the audit engagement team side, I feel we have seen AI and audit now blossoming. Plenty of tools and, and companies out there that are offering, like, they're, you know, they have audit AI in their names even. So more and more auditors are, you know, sampling is kind of now being pushed to the past, and now you're really trying to review the entirety of data sets across organization. So as you do that, you need to automate more stuff. You need AI to kind of identify fraudulent patterns um, and trends. And so even, even auto engagement teams will have their own robust standards to adhere to as they use AI. So I truly believe it's about that having a model risk management framework in place before you dive too deep into AI. Yeah, and just and just to be, you know, just from a technical standpoint, that the the management framework that you're talking about is is really something that gets developed at the management level of the company. It's the board that's making sure that that's in place, yes. that's overseeing it, and then is able to communicate at a level with the audit committee to say, hey, you know, is this working? Is this what you expected to see? If not, why not? What do we need to do to address this? So I just, exactly. I just wanted to clarify that point. But you know, maybe we talk a little bit more uh, about you know from the management's perspective of the process flow and what does that mean for audit processes with respect to AI. So that is, you know, I'll I'll, I'll answer this with a little bit of a um, a story, a client story. Um, you know, we, we had a client that was very much focused on digital transformation, right? And they wanted, from a finance perspective, to have the ability to do more analytics on, on their data. And they wanted their general ledger to be, quote unquote, blown up to show more details. Um, the accounting team was very adverse to that, and primarily because they were fearful of the amount of work that would come on them to pass audit down the road, right? Now, that is a real fear, a fear within the explosion of AI because as you implement AI more and more in your core functionality, especially within the domain of finance, you will have to deal with more data coming in. You will have to deal with more detail in your general ledger. You will have to deal with model risk management for all the AI models that you're using for predictions. And no longer will you be able to sit back and say, well, you know, someone's running a demand forecasting model somewhere, and we're just interested in knowing what the final numbers are if someone's validated it and we're good to go, right, on the audit. Now, even the accounting team needs to be more involved on what is this model validation that's going on. How, what processes do we have to ensure that we're not just going blindly with AI's predictions that inform our bottom line and then inform our financial close numbers? And so the process change initially, I feel is going to be tough on certain teams like, like accounting, like finance. But in the long run, it's going to give them so much more efficiency 
that this will be a cost well worth um, uh, for for that organization and that team. But initially, it is it is going to be more work as they come to grips with dealing with now 10x more data than what they were dealing with in in the past. Now, th- thank you for those thoughts. Tara, maybe on a final point here, maybe you can speak to the regulatory interest and the commentary being provided by the PCOB, as well as the activities that the AICPA is involved in to presently advance the use of technology, including AI by auditors. Yeah, absolutely. So first, we want to recognize that standard setting and rulemaking takes time, right? And given the incredible pace of change in the technology space, not only are we as auditors and companies struggling to keep up, but the regulators are too. The PCOB does have a proposal out for comment on the use of technology and audit. However, it's primarily focused on the use of technology-assisted analysis, and right now specifically excludes blockchain and artificial intelligence. The AICPA also released a practice aid designed to assist firms of all sizes in identifying ways to use technology in their audits. But that too is primarily focused on the use of technology-assisted analysis, particularly around risk assessment. So audit committees, boards, management, auditors, all of us need to continue to stay apprised of what's sure to be a continually evolving standard setting and rulemaking environment as these technologies continue to evolve. But as Bilal said, if we're always going that step beyond the current audit requirements, we should be in a really good place. Yeah, and and that's, you know, well said. I think those are the best practices that are getting, you know, kind of put put out there. That, I think, is going to help inform some of the regulatory oversight that you know is is obviously being looked forward to to get arms around what is expected from from the regulators in terms of of how we should be doing this what their expectations are so again yeah a lot lot remains to be seen i think you all have given very good points to our audience today and we will certainly do many more of these things as to your point the rate of technology continues to change at a an astronomical pace so I want to thank you both for your participation And thanks to our audience for tuning in to yet another episode of BDO in the Boardroom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at BDO.com slash BDO Boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit BDO.com slash BDO Knows Governance.